1: Welcome to USA football's coach and coordinator podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski.
0: Hey coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me, at Coach K Grabowski, for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show As much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash FDM.usafootball.com. On today's podcast, we focus on what an FBS offensive line coach looks for when recruiting offensive linemen. We talk about culture shift and what helps bring the program to success, and then most importantly for you young coaches out there who are looking to climb the ladder and make it to the next level, or some of you older coaches as well, we talk about perseverance. And joining me on the podcast again for the second time is the offensive line coach, at Tulane, Cody Kennedy. Cody, always great to talk ball with you.
1: Absolutely, Coach. Great to be back on here. And, you know, great podcast you got for all the guys in the sport of football. And it really, you know, provides a lot of great information for guys across the country.
0: I appreciate that, Coach. You know, a topic, you know, we we may have touched on a, a few times here on the podcast. I know when we first did this, Herb Hand mentioned some of these things. But it's always good to hear the different perspectives out there and especially you know someone like you Cody one of the youngest offensive line coaches in the country right now at your level what you look for when you're recruiting an offensive lineman and i'm sure it's not just always the the measurables that that you can see on a on a piece of paper certainly some of the things that you're going to see on tape but i imagine there's going to be things you see and that you look for off the field as well so Cody i guess give us an overview of of your approach to recruiting offensive linemen?
1: I I guess just turning on the tape, initially turning on, you know, at at first we go through and watch the the initial huddle highlight of a guy, some things I'm, you know, and obviously down the road, you get further into watching games, but the initial pop of a guy, some crucial things that I look at is initial ball get off, you know, how, how quick are they getting out of their stance athletically, how they move, and making sure there's not any lag there and being twitched up is what I would say. So that really shows a lot of ability. The second thing would be the, the ability to bend, okay, and create what I call create power out of their hips, okay? Are they unlocking their hips to drive through a guy? How is that hip angle changing? Do they look good in their stance, comfortable in their stance? Is there any negatives to that? You know, obviously another overlooked thing is kind of how much of an overall athlete they are. A lot of times you can tell by the way guys get up off the ground. It's kind of a thing I look at, kind of a weird, quirky thing to look at. But how they get off the ground, how athletic they look, moving. And, uh, you know, if they're rolling around looking like me getting off the couch, you know, it's probably not a good deal. But if they they can pop up off the ground and recover off of, you know, off of a block, that's a a good situation. And and the overall – Effort is huge for me. You know, everybody wants to look at, you know, the hu- the, the intangibles of, you know, their, their frame and, you know, different things like that, you know, prototype frame. Everybody wants a big, tall, long guy that, you know, can run around and move people. But effort can cover up a lot of that. So as we're watching the ability to finish – And, uh, and also strike guys. And I think there's, you know, there's two types of players in the game. There's, there's guys that think about hitting somebody and there's guys that run through people. I'm looking for hitters, guys that run through people, uh, on contact and, uh, can really create that force. Uh, uh, another thing you look at really is their ability to play with their full foot in the ground. A lot of guys these days in the offensive line world are talking about playing on your full foot and uh, creating power through the ground which creates power through the man. That comes with playing through your insteps or your full foot. And some guys are able to move and be an athlete in that position. Other guys are really on their toes, and it's really an unstable ground for those guys to operate. So those are just some some smaller things. Obviously, some things I like to see is you know their grip strength and their ability to finish through and maintain the stain blocks. It's one thing to just hammer a guy and hit him, it's another thing to sustain that force and really drive through a guy. So those are some little things I, I'll watch on the initial highlight. Once we start getting serious on those guys and once they pop through their initial highlight, we'll pull up about three games from their high school career and make sure those highlights that, that, that we're seeing also copy and paste over to game activities. And that's really a, a chance to see their effort and see if they're a football player or not, see if they get excited about playing football and, you know, are really in tune with the game and 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 show some show some passion out there. So those are that's kind of the way we work. Far as in my eyes, looking for the next players for the Green Wave.
0: Yeah, yeah, some interesting things there. And I'm wondering, you know, the multi-sport approach to these things. So when you are looking at twitchiness, or you're you're looking at you know a, a guy's ability to bend, you know, a guy being able to have balance, those kinds of things. You know, just thinking through some of these sports that these bigger guys play. Basketball, I think, is always a good one. You could see a lot there. Certainly wrestling and, and you know, guys who throw shot, right? I mean, those guys who are going to do some things there, they have to be able to both have some technique but also be explosive in how they do things. How much do you weigh what these guys doing? Is is there any way you get to see some of the highlights of what those guys do in other sports?
1: No, I think it's 100% true. You know, anytime those guys can play multiple sports, it, it, it's a positive for me as a coach because, number one, it's another place to evaluate their movements and, and putting them in a different area to really see uh, how they react to change of direction and things like that. And, and you hit on the three sports we really factor in with the big boys. You know, you got the wrestling where you can really see a lot of leverage and a lot of hip power created in those matches. And you really get guys that understand body mechanics and leverage and angles. Those are, I mean, it's a it's a great deal uh, for those guys that are big time wrestlers. And I, I really like recruiting those guys. Basketball in the hardwood, man. They're 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 having to run. They're having to change directions. They're having to break down, bend, guard. You you can see a lot of things in those things. And then the the throwers in track, man, coming out of your hips, creating a lot of power in a short space is huge. So those three sports, man, I, I I love guys that are multiple multiple sport guys. It just shows at the end of the day that man, they're a natural athlete, and uh, that's what you want out there, especially at the collegiate level, at the FBS level, are guys that are just ball players, man. And no matter what season sport it is, they're they're competitive. They want to do great. They want to compete year round and get after it. So I think that's a huge evaluation tool for us, and you know it. it it really goes a long way for those guys, especially when you get down to the end and you're really splitting hairs, you know, maybe you've only got a couple of spots left and now that gives us another evaluation tool that we may not have with another guy. So it doesn't rule out those single sports guys, but uh, it, it shows a lot if you are a multi-sport guy.
0: Yeah, that's a great point there. So coach, you, you got some of those measurables, you got the on-field stuff, you're looking at their athleticism, both in football, other sports, and, that probably now puts you in the place where you're going to recruit this guy and get to know him and build that relationship. So things you're looking for then as far as character and, and the right fit for you guys and what you're doing. We're going to talk about your, your culture there at, at uh, Tulane and how they fit in it. But you know the fit in recruiting as you start to, again, figure out who are the guys you're going to offer.
1: Yeah, I think initially talking to the guy, Tulane is a top 40 academic institution in the country, so that has to play a part initially. You know, the, the prospect recruit has to really have an engaged viewpoint on academics and really have a plan for that, because rolling into our institution, you, you, you really got to get excited about it, and, and the classroom's going to be tough here. And it's not something that the shy recruits away. It's something that where we we're able to fit that niche for a lot of different prospects across the country who have a look at the 40-year plan and not the four-year plan. So I think that's a, that, that's a first, you know, when I lay the groundwork in an initial conversation, we're talking about academics because you have to, because it's a foundation of what we're built on as a program, as well as an institution. From there, I, I like guys that love football. I want to ask them questions about the NFL. I want to ask them about who their favorite team is. You know what their you know what their dream school was growing up. Different things like that. You know that just give me you know how serious is that this guy about football? How much does he love football? What's his passion level like? So just going into that, you know, and, and obviously when you're recruiting a guy, you you gotta be you gotta be natural. Guys, the, these prospects and recruits are. Are really smart guys, and if you're putting on a dog and pony show for them, they're going to see through that. So I make sure it's a it's a relaxed setting, so we're able to communicate and and, and really get some real information out there and uh, get some real questions asked. And then you want to really decide who the who they're going to lean on to make a decision. Who's that person going to be? Is it a grandparent? Is it a parent? Is it an older brother? Who kind of is their point? in in who they're going to bounce this information off of to to find out what's a good fit for them. Because that's going to let you know, you know, who who the next relationship you need to build in the recruiting process is. So those are some just initial things I like to find out about the kid. You know, obviously you want to know about their family and kind of their upbringing, how they got to football. One thing is you see a lot of these guys, we were talking about multi-sport athletes, you may see a kid that looks – you know, on tape, like he's got a prototype frame, but he may be a little bit of raw. You got to find out how many years he's played football, you know, and and find out his history within the sport and other sports in that initial conversation. So those are some just some open talking points in the first conversation I like to get to with those guys. You know, obviously it builds a lot deeper from there, but just initially we got to make sure the, the, the academics are in line, the passion is there. And then the history of, you know, whether it's with their family or with the sport, you know, knock out those as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I got to ask this one, being a younger guy, I'm sure you're into social media. We've heard all kinds of nightmare stories about kids in their social media and, you know, kind of knocking them out of recruiting and. How much are you looking at social media or how important is it that, you know, the guy, this guy says and, and, you know, at least in some of the things he shared, does the right things when it comes to how he's portraying himself in, in public?
1: Man, I think it's a deal breaker because it shows maturity. Are you able to control that social media? And I listened to Coach Shaw, I believe, from Stanford speak about it, and he had a great line. He said, you know, social media should be a, a running commercial of how great your life is, you know, and and really just a positive outlook and a positive impact on people around you. And, you know, it's hard for some of these kids because it plays such a role within their society. You know, like you said, I'm a young guy, so I understand that. I understand the role that social media plays, but also the ability to, to control what's put out there and what really impacts your brand because everybody has a brand at the end of the day. Brands aren't just for businesses. Brands are for people. And what you're putting out on social media determines what your brand is and, and really puts the puts the label on the package, per se, you know. And I, I think it really impacts a kid, whether he feels like it's a big deal or not, if it's all even, like what we said. And, and it will get to that late in the recruiting process where you're, there's a fork in the road where you've got to really, co- you know, go after one kid or the other that all makes a difference in the end. And it may seem like such a little trivial deal for a, a high school junior or senior, but it plays, you know, a major part in a lot of people's viewpoint of them and their maturity level and ability to control that. So I think it's huge, man. It, it, it plays a lot bigger role than what, what these high school guys really understand. So I, I think it's always good to monitor that. You know, I, I know we here here at our place, you know, we're we're constantly keeping tabs on them. And, you know, I get updated to my phone anytime one of my guys tweets because they're representing me now. We're all on the same team. We're all part of the same thing. So if they're throwing something out there, I want that. It's just like, it's representing me. So just a rule of thumb, if you wouldn't tweet it in front of your mom, in front of your parents, then you probably don't need to be tweeting it out. And you know, that that's kind of my general rule, even for myself, you know, uh, you got to be smart out there because you can literally post whatever you want to. And that's the beauty of it, but it's also the horror of it. You know, if you use it in a, in a bad way.
0: Yeah, really good points there. And and this kind of then dovetails with the next part of this, that culture shift at Tulane. So you do have to have the right guys, right? The, the guys who you can't count on, you're, n- you're not going to bring them in recruiting. So that's an important part of it, but talk to us about, you know, what you guys have been able to do under Coach Fritz's leadership?
1: It's been an unreal transformation. I've obviously only been here for one year, but to see the way he operates a program is is unreal. He does a phenomenal job. He's done a phenomenal job at every level. He's one of the top four most winningest college coaches in the country. So it, for a young guy to be in the room with him and to see how he interacts and handle situations on a day-to-day basis. It's just like a leadership workshop every day. You know, you're taking notes, how he handles different things, especially among these times, and, you know, the real true leaders, you know, show up. And he's been able to do that. We're, we're, you know, first time we've won back-to-back bowl games in school history. And to just see it at a program that has not had the most storied past as of late as far as winning football games – To see that transition, and it's really, truly a testament to our kids within our program as well, and and our recruiting department for getting the right guys in here. And like I said, you know, earlier, we we touched on academics, but character is a huge deal. And and our kids, they have to want to come to Tulane to be legendary, really, and to change the tide of our program. We're trying to set new heights and win an American Conference Championship here. And uh, those guys got to really be, you know, focused in on that. But just the, the day-to-day, the enthusiasm he has as a head coach is something that's truly infectious and something I'll take into my, you know, I, I take into my day-to-day activity right now. But, you know, further in the future, if I'm blessed enough to be a head coach one day, I mean, every day you catch him. And he, he's fired up and he's trying to make guys better. One thing that, that he does that I think's phenomenal and also builds our culture is he's always involved in, in position meetings. Okay. He may pop in and, and, and sit in your position meeting and he's taking notes just like one of the kids would. So he he's, he's got notes for you. He's got, you know, and, and he's going to critique you. We're all grown men. You got to be able to take, you know, some constructive criticism and, and build on that. And sometimes that's what I think young guys, you know, struggle with is the ability to take that and still be positive. And Coach Fritz does a phenomenal job at making sure all our coaches are on the same page with that. And he, he, he's really, man, he, he's, a, he's a master coach, and it's been really a joy to, to work for him. And not that, you know, I think there's a fine line of, of micromanaging and, and kind of being negative with it, and there's a, a side of it where everybody's – where he's involved Uh, with every facet of the program because that's what represents him and he wants to be a winner. And I think he's very, very much so on the positive side of it. And he wakes up every day on fire, and that in turn leads to our program and our kids waking up every day on fire to try and go win games and really just be the best person you can be. Because like I said, at at Tulane, you're going to have to be elite at practice and you're going to have to be elite in the classroom. So it's a full day of uh, of trying to hit the highest mark we can as a human being. So coach really does a good job at uh, you know encompassing that. You know we got to be great people here. So I, I think that leads to a great culture. And you know I'm learning something new every day with him. And uh, to to be a young guy under a uh, a seasoned vet it, it is really it's a learning on a daily basis. Coach, I know for
0: you. A lot of this in this profession has has been about having the right attitude, been about having energy and sticking with it, persevering. It's given you the opportunity to do this at the highest level. Um, we talked a little bit about this, you know, in in your start and coaching on the last podcast, but you know, I think it's a great message and and something good to relay to our, our especially our younger coaches out there right now. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, your your personal journey and the perseverance it's taken you to, to get to where you're at? Yeah, I think uh, perseverance is kind of a key term for it all. I had gotten
1: to the point where I had GA'd and then gotten, you know, some head jobs at the Division II level. It was at the, uh, UNC Pembroke for my first full-time job, which is Division II in Pembroke, North Carolina, and then got, my, got back with Coach Hall, who's our offensive coordinator here at Tulane. He hired me back at the University of West Georgia as the offensive line coach, and then was there for two years. Coach Hall ended up getting another job, and I had a situation where I wanted to get to the FBS level. And, you know, with that, took a step back from being a full-time Division II coach and was a graduate assistant for four months at FAU under Coach Kiffin down there, and then was blessed to get a call from Coach Pittman at the University of Georgia and actually went through a fall at the University of Georgia under Coach Smart and Coach Pittman there. And it was just a a blessing in my coaching career because I had to step back. I went from running my own room, I went from doing, you know, all the daily tasks of a full-time offensive line coach to now back to the bottom rung of the ladder. And there is some scary times to it and some, you know, some unknowns to it. But I think it really sculpted my career as a coach and, and put me back on the level of, you know, you're able to, you know, do some things and and really step back and take some notes from some of the best in the game with Coach Smart and Coach Pittman being there and really learn how an SEC primetime program is run. So just the perseverance aspect of, you know, taking chances as a young guy, obviously it paid off pretty well for me, uh, but the ability to persevere through those tough times, it wasn't always the easiest going back in the career progression to get to where I'm at, but you know there there were some bad days and some really really good days, but uh, that that's one thing for for the younger guys in the profession is you always got to you've you got to stay on the grind, you got to persevere, and every day is a job interview. you know somebody is judging how you do an activity every day. that may be another assistant coach, that may be another graduate assistant, but every day is a job interview, and if you can attack it like that. Then, I think it gives you the motivation to be honed in on the details and really hit new levels within you know your coaching career, focusing on those details and really rolling around with a a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to to try and be the best coach you can be and really absorb all this information because when you're a young guy, information's all around you. whether you stop to take it in is your choice, but you can learn the right way to do things and just as easily as you can learn the wrong way to do things and, and things you can take notes at with how people attack those issues every day. So I, I think that's one thing as a young guy, if I could pass along information, that's one thing, man. Keep, keep working, keep grinding. Every day's a job interview and every task is, is important.
0: So, Cody, to tie things up, now we haven't been able to talk too much ball with you in the last one. We talked about preparing for training camp. This time we've hit on some different things. I'll tell you, let's uh, focus on your, currently, your favorite play. What's something you really love to teach?
1: My favorite play and my baby at the moment would be the duo play. You see guys chirping on it on Twitter. And, uh, you know, obviously one of the top run plays in the NFL – it was actually uh, one of our best plays this year down here at Tulane, and it's powered no puller. And you know, you'll you'll hear guys talk about it different ways. And I really like the play because there's a lot of you know intrigue about it within the coaching world. And uh, we've been running it for quite a few years now, and it's paid dividends for us. And whenever it's a short yarded situation, I'm usually screaming for it down on the other sideline. So uh, it, it seems to be my my baby of sorts these days in it.
0: It's definitely one that's being talked about, Coach. If you could, I guess, coach us through some – I know we don't have any, anything to draw up here, but coach us through some of the key coaching points that, that you go over as you're installing this.
1: I think the key coaching points are your double teams within you know, the duo play. That's kind of how the, the play got its name, is you're trying to sculpt two double teams along the offensive line, whether that's tight end tackle – guard, tackle, center, backside, guard. You're trying to get those double teams piercing and denning the defense going vertical, okay? And, you know, how how I teach those gap scheme double teams and go through those are are really a a passion of mine. I've met with quite a few high school guys on Zoom this week just talking through it. And, you know, I I think it's a good downhill hitting run. Our running backs love it. And it's really a a play that you – it's a tried and true play because I think it's good versus movement. And also a safe play versus versus blitzers trying to penetrate those A and B gaps with A and B gap bullet blitzes. And, you know, it's an attitude play for us. Our guys believe in our double teams getting six hundred pounds on three hundred pounds, and really trying to dent the defense going vertical. And the O line. Anytime you got a play where the O line gets fired up and the running back gets fired up when it's called, you're usually cooking with gas. So uh, that, that's probably why it's one of my favorites because it is an attitude play for us.
0: So I know in, in watching social media, guys will throw up a play and debate. Was this, was this tight zone? Was this, you know, duo? First of all, help us end that conversation. How do you delineate what play that was when you are looking at that on film?
1: The footwork of the offensive line is a tail for it, okay? And the true vertical gap scheme teaching of the, of the double teams. Also, the running back is a good tail for it and how the ball is hitting and what gap it's hitting are your are your tails on on tight zone versus duo but there are some plays where it is great for even the season to vet so it really depends on you know what was called in the huddle but uh you know you'll see uh, coach alexander up there breaking down all the details on it but, the, you know, that's how I tell the footwork of the offensive line and the true angle of force through the double teams. With duo, you're going to see a more vertical dent, whereas tight zone, you're going to see a more 45 lateral line of force with it. So that's another tail sign of it. But I'm with you, man. It, it, it's up for debate sometimes. So we, we go back and forth all the time. All the all the O-line ho- hogs around the community go back and forth on it, chirping on it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my favorite play in the game right now. And it's probably, you know, it's dominated my, my Zoom talks as of late.
0: <laughs> with that vertical double, that vertical dent in the defense, coach us through that part of it because that part is is really key to to this being an attitude yeah. play and, and your running back who's going to get, you know, that downhill run.
1: Absolutely. So starting, in, and we'll visualize this because obviously we don't have a board or anything, but we're running duo into an
0: overfront with a three technique
1: in the play side B gap. So I'm talking right guard and right tackle on what we call a deuce double team. So now the right guard, his footwork, he has nobody in his priority gap, in the A gap. So now he has a big gap threat. He is calling the double team call. His footwork now is now a timing attack step. So in my offense, you really, or in my, the way I coach offensive line, you've really only got three steps. You've got a position step that you puts you in position to get to a landmark. You've got a timing step, which allows time for the double team to hook up. And you've got an attack step, which is attacking at the defender. So the guard, his footwork in this situation is a timing attack step. So he's going to pick up his left foot and put it right back down to really load that shoulder up. As his attack foot, which would be his right foot in this situation, needs to aim towards the crotch of the defender, a midline of the defender. And I'm trying to attack with a down shoulder. Some guys argue flipper, uppercut. I deliver with a down shoulder, okay, to try to create the most force. You hear a lot of guys talk about same foot, same shoulder force, and that's throughout all of football. Whether you're tackling a guy, you know, blocking a guy, running through a guy, same foot, same shoulder creates the most force. Uh, So that's what we're trying to get in there on the timing attack step. The tackle. Some people will teach a gallop technique. Others will teach – just a position attack style technique, which is what I teach. I teach a position step. So if I'm playing right tackle in that situation, I'm taking a six-inch step to get me framed up with the guard for a vertical double team. And then my right foot is now attacking towards the defender, and I'm really trying to cover up the three technique. And we want to now, the down shoulder by the guard should lift him and the play action attack drive from the tackle should now work that vertical. Okay. And now, once you get into that situation where you've now pried the defense, pried the three technique up and stolen his power angles and are really trying to drive him vertical, now it becomes a four hands, four eyes on the linebacker. So I want four hands on the defender, the three technique in this case, and four eyes on the Mike linebacker in this picture. And then we talk to my guys about how we're going to now escape the double team once we deliver him to the lap of the linebacker. And the leverage of the linebacker determines that. So you're either a one-handed player or a two-handed player in the double team. And that's how I talk about it. So if the linebacker is leveraged to your side, you're a one-handed player. So in this situation, if he was a, you know, inside backer, inside of the three technique, the guard is now going to be a one-handed player. And the position attack tackle is going to be a two-handed player. If the mic is outside of the three technique, now you look for the timing attack from the guard, he's going to drop his shoulder and then work to be a two-handed player because the leverage of the linebacker is now outside. So in the duo play, essentially in power, you would deuce to the Willie linebacker. In the duo play, D-U-O, you double up to the linebacker who would be the Mike situated in, over top of you. So things that play heavily into this, the ability to get a down shoulder, which is I think is a true way to move a down defensive lineman, and then the leverage of the linebacker are two things that play heavy in my duo play install that I think huge for making the play go. And I really enjoy to coach my guys when they get pretty fired up about it too. But timing attack, position attack, and get after it, man. 600 on 300. That's what we're trying to get down.
0: I love it, Coach. Thank you for the description there. And I know you didn't have a board, but two things I loved about it. One, your passion for that play definitely came through and you know, the way you teach it, right? I'm glad you mentioned some other ways, but, uh, you know, there's all the variations and, you know, it works for you guys because that's what you drill all the time.
1: 100%. And everybody's got a different way and different you know, way to describe it. I love getting on these clinics and, you know, all of these Zoom meetings with, you know, high school, college, all levels of football and hearing guys explain it. And you don't have to adopt their system all the way, but there's something you can take from it. They're explaining something better than you explain it, whether you want to admit it or not. And you got to go into it with an open mind and just, just taking and, and picking and choosing little things you want to add to your repertoire is always huge for a young guy because the worst way to you know, progress as a young guys think you got it all figured out because that's the last thing you want to do. You want to always be learning and keep an open mind to, you know, the way you do things might not be the, the end-all be-all and, and different people have different ways of doing things. And that, that's one thing is offensive line community. I think there's a lot of absolutes. The only way to do this, the only way to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I think going into it with an open mind, you can really learn a lot and, and take different things. And make sure you make it yours and make sure you own it and make sure you're passionate about teaching it. And if you're not, you probably need to change it or learn more about it and find a new way to deliver it and find a way that you are passionate about it. So that's huge uh, in the delivery for your kids as well.
0: Coach, before we go, I want to make sure you're able to share, coaches around the country, the areas that you recruit.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm in the Atlanta area. I'm in the state of Georgia, and I'm in Charlotte and the state of North Carolina. So that that's mine, uh, my Twitter tag. I'm sure you'll p- pump it out there, but at Coach C. Kennedy. And if you guys got anything, if you guys want to, you know, link up during this time on Zoom, anything like that, just follow me and reach out to me. And, you know, we're always looking for, for great human beings, student athletes down here at Tulane and really all around total packages of, of great people to play for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking to connect with those guys, uh, especially me in Georgia and North Carolina.
0: Cody, I want to thank you again for taking the time here and, you know, sharing some things with us. And hopefully there's a few things. I'm sure there's a few things that are going to help coaches out there. So thank you. Definitely
1: take care. I love what you're doing, man. Keep it up.
0: Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done Uh, Check it out, all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.